isn't youth sunday necessarily am i am i on am i in the mic just a little barely bit huh okay is that better all right no not better yet okay i need more volume <clears throat> or i can speak louder <laughs> uh yeah this isn't actually youth sunday this is uh uh, but what, what we've uh, started doing is every, uh, at least every couple months, we, we want to get this gang up here because they, uh, uh, they got something, they got something we need. They got something we need and they need to be up here. And so that's, uh, that's what that's all about. So, uh, sorry, you're going to hear me preach, uh, even though, even though you got to hear the youth do, do worship. A uh, couple of things, a couple of announcements. Uh, this week, uh, Sound of Music opens. It's going to be very, very good. And a couple things about it. I say this every time, and, and maybe I should just go ahead and keep saying it every time because I think maybe one person hears it each time. And if we keep adding one each time, then, you know, eventually everybody will hear it. This is an evangelistic opportunity. I mean, not only is this going to be a lot of fun and a, and, and a great show, it's an evangelistic opportunity. If you invite, uh, you, you've got people who will not come to church with you, but they'll come to hear, they'll come to see Sound of Music with you. And after they do, they will start asking you about your church. Uh, I mean, I promise you that they will. And then that'll be an opportunity to, to bring them in. So I encourage you to, to come see it. Uh, I think tickets are on sale at the Welcome Center, and they're $2 less than they are if you wait and buy them at the door or buy them online. So just, just letting you know that. Also, I want to encourage you to visit our website. There's a number of good things on there. Uh, not only can you download the sermons on there, you can download uh, some of the teachings from Wednesday night on there. Uh, you can find out what's going on. And then on the home page, down, the, down toward the bottom, there's a big block right there in the center where you can... Make prayer request, and not only, I mean, somebody, it's not just that you're going to make a prayer request and it goes out into cyberspace somewhere and, and it gets forgotten about. There are, you can sign up to be on the prayer list, on the prayer team there, but everybody who has signed up will get your prayer request, and they will pray for you because they signed up to, to do that very thing. And not only that, you can go on there and you can read testimonies of how people's uh, prayers have been answered. So I encourage you to go on that website, and especially if you've got any prayer needs. Go on there, just click on that uh, at the bottom of the page, put in your prayer request. There will be a number of people in the church praying for you uh, when you do that. So just want to encourage you on that. I was going to go to Daniel this week, and I'm still going to cover Daniel, but not this week. Because there seems to be a theme that is kind of that we've kind of hit on for a little bit. We did the call of Isaiah, we did the, the call of Jeremiah, and from the get go, I, I felt like we were supposed to do Jonah. And actually, I felt like Barbie was supposed to do Jonah, but Barbie flaked out on me. She did Jeremiah instead, uh, and I didn't even have Jonah in the list. But as last week was going down, I'm going, uh, no, we got, I've got to talk about Jonah. And it probably needs to be this week. So stand with me. We're going to read the first chapter of Jonah, which is the longest one of the four. But you can hang for this. I know you can. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amity. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. 
because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know this, this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. They cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And now I pray for the convicting and anointing power of the Holy Spirit to come and fill this house and fill your people. I pray that you would anoint our ears so that we would hear what you want to say to us and that you would anoint our hearts so that it would make a difference in our lives when we hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In my Wednesday class, uh, we're talking about leadership. And this last week, we talked about vision. And while vision is progressive, that is, um, the vision that you have today is probably going to be connected to the vision that you have a month from now, but the vision you have a month from now may be greater. May, may have, you have, may have more of the vision a month from now. So vision is progressive. While vision is progressive, I, I have three foundational components that are the vision for Springhouse Worship and Arts Center and have been from the get-go. And the first one is simply that it, that it be real. I want a, I want a church where you don't have to be different at church than you are from the other places where you go. 
quite frankly. And most of us aren't totally there. In fact, uh, probably no one is 100% there. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm striving, and, and hopefully, hopefully we all are. But, you know, it's okay to strive to be other places like you are here. Uh, it's when you quit striving that you start being a phony. Somebody should probably tweet that. Uh, when you, when the, when the way you are at work or the way you are at home or the way you are at the ball game, when you know, uh, that's not like I am when I, when I'm in the, the house. That's not like I am when I'm with the brothers and sisters in the body. When you know that, but you're trying, but you're going, but I should be that way. And, and I, and I'm trying to get there. I don't have a problem with that at all. It's when you, it's when you're totally somebody else here than you are when you're in the house. And you, and you just have given up. That's when you're a phony in the house. Okay. But, but if you're striving, I'm good with it. And so is, so is God. It's okay to pretend to be what you know you should be because ultimately you'll learn how to do it, learn how to get there. So one of the things that I wanted to be is I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be a, a, a healing place. Barbie calls it a, a triage and that works for me. Um, and yeah, I just wanted it to be a place where people could come and they could, could be made whole. They could be ministered to. And uh, you, I found out that you don't, you don't win them all. <laughs> I found out that sometimes people come and they come broken and they leave broken. And for a long time, that kind of broke me. And then I realized that, Hey, I'm not the one healing people anyway. It's, that's totally the work of God. It's totally the work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is just simply try and create a, a healthy situation so people can get healthy. And that's, that's what we try to do. Uh, I will say this, uh, the, and, and sometimes people don't understand this, but the healing itself sometimes requires a little pain. You know, if you go to the doctor and you need to have a bone set, yeah, that ain't going to be fun. But that's what's got to happen for the healing to take place. And so sometimes spiritually and emotionally you go somewhere and it's not necessarily the smoothest ride, but it's what's needed for the healing. So that's the second thing. The third thing that I've, that I've had from the beginning concerns vision. And my vision is that everyone have vision. Everyone. This is where, this is where you jump into warp speed as a body of believers. As long as it's just the leadership that's supposed to carry the vision that everybody's supposed to follow, then it's very conventional and you really can't get all that much done. But once everybody understands and catches the vision that, that I'm supposed to get vision as well and I'm supposed to walk that out, then, then things can, can really get big. Then things can really go crazy in a good way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a vision for starting a ministry in Africa. If you're a teacher in a school, your vision should be, should have something to do with teaching in a school. You know, if you're a, well, you've heard me say this before, whatever it may be, as long as you understand that this is connected to vision that you've received from God. And so those were the three things that that have been constant from the beginning in terms of vision for this church. I had a friend 
my friend Phil Nelson used to do Bible study, and I loved the way that he would that he would do Bible study. Because he would take a story in the Bible and he would approach it from the standpoint of, in this story, I am blah, blah, blah. For example, if he were teaching about the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, what he would want you to do is he'd want you to look at that story and go, who am I in this story? Uh, in this story, I'm Mary and Martha. I'm, I'm grieving some serious loss right now at this point in my life. And that's where some people are going to be at that point. At this point in my life, I'm a critic. I'm sitting around looking at God doing stuff, and I'm going, if he'd come here in time, he could have, he, he could have done that instead of doing this. He, he could have healed him. He wouldn't have had to die. We wouldn't have had to go through all this stuff. And for some people, that's... That's their address. That's where they live. See God do stuff, but they are kind of going, well, he could have done that instead. Well, he could have, but why don't, why don't you suggest that to him when you see him? In this story, I'm, I'm one of the disciples. I'm, I'm walking into a situation that looks hopeless, but I feel like God's calling me there, and so I'm walking in there. In this story, I'm Lazarus. I've just been resurrected from the dead. God's just done something wonderful for me. That, that's the way he would, he would approach Bible study, and it was so cool because, you know, things would always, you wouldn't always be the same person each time you read the story because life flows and life changes. And so that's what we're, uh, that's what we're gonna do today with the story of Jonah. We're going to look at it and we're going to go, which Jonah am I? Because there are several Jonas in this story. Let me very briefly just, just finish the rest of the story out for you. Most of you know, oh, Jonah got swallowed by a whale and, and he ended up getting out of the whale and he went to Nineveh and, uh, or someplace and he preached and, and everybody got saved or I don't know what happened. Uh, so let me let me just tell you what happened. We read we read the first chapter. He's been thrown overboard. The Lord's provided a great fish. He's in this great fish three days and three nights. And guess what he does? He prays, and so he's calling out to God from inside this fish. And the Lord hears and commands the fish to deposit Jonah to throw Jonah up on the on the land, on, on the shore, I'm presuming, well, well, we're going to look at a map here of this later on, but throws him up on the shore and he goes to Nineveh. Uh, he's, he's finally got an idea that that might be a better idea than the one that he had. Uh, and so he goes to Nineveh and when he goes to Nineveh, he proclaims in 40 days, this city is going to be destroyed because they were wicked, you see. And the last thing in the world that Jonah wanted to have happen, happened. Everybody heard his message and they repented. And they went, oh no, we don't want to be destroyed. Let's repent and turn to God. And so they did and God didn't destroy them and Jonah got ticked off about it. And he went outside and he sat down and looked at the city, just waiting to see what was going to happen to it. Hoping maybe enough of them didn't repent or something. And, and God comes and ministers to him. Well... <laughs> God comes and has talk with him. And he says, are you mad? 
And Jonah goes, yes, I'm mad. I'm mad enough to die. God says, why are you mad? I told you this is what would happen. I told you that if I came and preached these people, that they would repent and they wouldn't be destroyed. And that's exactly what's happening. That's why I'm mad. I mean, that's what he says. And he's out there and it's hot and God provides this, this vine to grow up over his head to provide the shade. And Jonah's going, well, praise God for the shade. And then God sends a worm to come and eat the vine. And the next day it's dead. <laughs> and the sun's hot and Jonah's hot, hotter than the sun is. You know, Jonah's just, you know, what kind of God are you? He destroyed my vine. I don't have any shade anymore. He sent this worm. And God's going, are you mad about the vine? <laughs> and Jonah goes, yes, I'm mad about the vine. And God says, okay. You know, it was just a vine. And you're concerned about it because it died. Don't I have the right to be concerned about 120,000 people living in this city over here and not want them to die? And that's how it ends. We don't, we don't hear Jonah's answer, but hopefully he was beginning to come around. So who, which Jonah am I at this point in this story? I am like Jonah running from God's call. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And oftentimes we run by using the convenient excuse that, well, God hasn't said anything to me. The word of the Lord hasn't come to me. But that's simply not so. That's simply not true. The third part of the vision that I had that's been constant for this church was vision, that each person, every single one, would receive vision from God concerning what they were supposed to do in terms of the kingdom. And I know God's keeping his part of it. Over in John 16, 13, it says, But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. That's saying to me that when the Holy Spirit comes, and he has come, and if anyone belongs to Christ. He has the spirit of Christ. It tells us over in Romans chapter eight. Well, actually it tells us that if anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ and he doesn't belong to Christ. So you can, you can flip that. If you belong to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come. Maybe not in his fullness, but he's come and he's there inside of you and he's guiding you. That's what vision is. Vision just simply says, you're here, go there. Or you're here, stay here. Don't go there. That's guidance. That's what that is. And this says that the Holy Spirit does that to each one of us. And not just the Holy Spirit. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It shows me where I should go. A lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people avoid the word of God. And one of the reasons they avoid the word of God is because it's going to tell them stuff that they don't want to hear. Or they suspect that there may be things in there that might mess with how I want to live. Not understanding that there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And so as we read the Word, it provides uh, 
lamp for our feet and light for our path. And over in Ephesians 4.16, it says, From him, from Christ, the whole body is joined and held together. That's us. By every supporting ligament. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The way each part does its work is each part gets an assignment from God. That's, that's your vision. And so it, it, it's no good to say that, well, God hasn't told me anything, so I'm certainly not running from the Lord. Of course you're running from the Lord because he's trying to tell you stuff and you're not listening. I'm like Jonah in this. And you may, you may think, well, how do I know if I fit that or not? Well, do you know, do you have, do you have any sense of calling on your life? If there is no sense of calling on your life, then know this, you're not listening. Because he's giving a sense of calling. Because God's word was so clear, Jonah went to the extreme to run. Now, this is a map, (laughs) of course. And the star that just popped up down there in the lower right-hand corner is basically where Jonah started out, uh, Israel, Joppa, actually. And he was getting a boat to go to Tarshish. Let me show you where Tarshish is. I didn't draw a line between the two, but if you know where Gibraltar is, go west of it. That's where Tarshish is. And concerning where Nineveh was, uh, it's not actually on that map, but I kind of got the star off to the side. I couldn't... You know, I couldn't find a map that had the Mediterranean and went over to Iraq as well. It would, uh, in, in fact, the modern day city of Mosul, which you've probably read about, is what they think is Nineveh. And so he's supposed to go east and he instead goes west, totally in the opposite direction. But you know what? At least we can admire Jonah's honesty. I mean, it, it doesn't make him right. It doesn't make him someone that we want to imitate, but it's better than being phony. It really is. You know, it, it's better than, it's better than pretending in, in a bad way. Uh, obviously, when he got on the boat, he, he said, well, I'm, I'm taking this voyage because I'm running away from the Lord. Because it said later on that, that they knew he was running from God because he had already told them. When he got on, I mean, this is an honest guy. You know, God goes, are you mad? Yes, I'm mad. Why are you mad? Because they got saved. We'll get into that in just a minute here. But I mean, at least he was, at least he was honest. There are many who employ the butterfly effect which seems to be an attempt to split the difference. And the butterfly effect is essentially, I know God has called me. I know he's gifted me. I know he's called me to minister. And so I will minister. Oh, but not that much. Well, I'll come minister. And they're there for two or three months, maybe six months. And then, you know, back away for... Six months or a year or whatever. And then they come back into it for a little while. And then they're gone. 
again? Yeah. Sometimes they employ the butterfly effect by going, uh, I'm not going to go to Tarshish, but I'm not going to Nineveh either. I'll, I'll, I'll go visit Jordan. That's kind of halfway in between, you know. Or I'll go visit Nineveh. I ain't going to say anything to anybody. But, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go look around there. Sometimes Nineveh is where you live. In fact, very often it's where you live. And here's, here's, what, here's the way we run from God. We build up, oh, and this is good. This is really good. So, you know, plug into this one. We're, we're, God has sent us to Nineveh, and fortunately, we're living there. So we don't have the option of having to even have to go someplace. And he's given us ministry to do, but we begin to build up this imagination inside of us that God has actually called us somewhere else to do that ministry. And when we go to Wichita, then, then we're going to start ministering to the poor. Then I'm going to start teaching. Then I'm going to start being used. When I go to Africa, that's when I will begin to work in missions. Or when I go to, to Jamaica is when I'll begin to, to start using my gifts to, to, to help the poor. And I see it all the time. People build these, these things and these ideas up in their head about what they're going to do when they get there. And it's all a fantasy. It's all false. Because the truth is, if you won't do it here, you're not going to do it when you get there. Because when you get there, there will become here. And someplace else will be there. And so sometimes we can run from God just by simply sitting where we are and pretending that one day, and it may not, it may not be a physical place. It may be when I get older. The only problem is when you get older, it's going to have been, well, if I were younger, it's just never where we actually are. And yet that's what God's called us to do. I'm like Jonah running from the Lord. I'm like Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Everything is crashing down all around me. And I'm oblivious to it. Jonah was literally sleeping. We do it metaphorically. Except sometimes during the sermon, we do it literally. <laughs> yeah. It's the only time all week that we've sat down and gotten quiet. Yeah. Well, what, how do you do, how do you, what do you mean sleeping in the bottom of the boat? It's whenever, it's whenever you're in this stupor that you just, you're just oblivious to what's going on in life. Now, one of the things that immediately comes to mind, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some other things that get a lot closer to home and maybe get some of you mad at me. But one of the things that immediately comes to mind when we think about this is drugs and alcohol. You know, medicate ourselves to the place where 
we don't care. We don't know what's going on. That's, that's terrible when people get in that condition, right? I mean, you know, we can all see that. We all, we all know that. We all know that that's, uh, that's basically checking out on life. And basically, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm going to go to my happy place. And there's no question of how destructive that is. That is very destructive uh, chemical addiction. But let's try some others. Um, Sports addictions. Anybody ever sat under a powerful, anointed, convicting sermon and spent most of the time thinking about your ball team? Oh, boy, Smyrna sure did good Friday night. You know, yeah, they did. You know, or, boy, my fantasy football team is really in big trouble this, this today. You know, whichever, whichever way it may happen. You know, just sitting and don't even, well, no, I was going to say don't even get me started, but I'm, you don't have to. I'm going to get me started. The insanity of children's sports today. I mean, I have seen families literally ripped apart and they didn't know what happened, but I knew exactly what happened. It's when I didn't see them for, for, you know, when you stop going to church for five months because you got ball games every Sunday to take your kid to. Why don't you just feed everybody rat poison? Get it over with a little quicker. Was that a good analogy? <laughs> and you may kind of go, well, you know, but they, they, they enjoy it so much. Oh, come on. They enjoy spending time with you, and they would rather spend time with you, y'all doing something together, than them down there, you know, having big kids throw fastballs at them while you're up in the stands yelling at umpires. Just, just, just saying, just letting you know. I mean, when I was a kid and played little league baseball, you know how long our, our season was? 12 stinking games. That was it. And if they got rained out, then we had 11. <laughs> and I hated it. I, we should have played a little more than that. But no, look, I, I mean, unless your kids just seriously got something wrong with them. They don't want to play 45 games a summer. They really don't. They're just, they're just wanting to please you. And you're just running. You're just medicating. That was fun. Work can be an addiction. Work can be your drug of choice. Religion can be an addiction. Sometimes our, 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 our religious works becomes how we run from actually doing godly works. That was good. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, that, that, this says I have a lot of time, and that says I have not much. So I think that one's probably right. Let's try this one. I am like Jonah. I've given up. Throw me in the sea. Yeah, I recognize. I've been running from the Lord, and, and now it's too late. 
toss me in. And I'm sure that in this room there are probably some people sitting here who you've you had a call from God at some point in time. You know exactly what it was. You didn't do it, and now it's now it's too late. And maybe you think that because that's a convenient excuse, or maybe you really think that because you've been convinced that it's true. We can come to the place in our lives where we're convinced that it's all over and the best thing we can do is just die. But that's not the case. Romans eleven twenty nine says God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. You maybe can't go back and do what you could have done if you had started 30 years ago. You know, when I was young, 20 years sounded like a long time. And so I go, oh, it's 20 years ago. But now, nah, it, it's 30 and 40. You, you maybe can't do what you could have done, if you, but you can do something. And God still has a purpose for you. See, Jonah was deliberately running away from God, and God wasn't finished with him. Moses spent 40 years, 40 years. Now, that still sounds like a pretty decent chunk of time, even to me. Moses spent 40 years thinking it was all over. It was finished. It was done. It wasn't even close to being done. And Israel, which is what this verse is specifically about, Israel spent almost 2,000 years not being a nation, having no homeland, having no place to go together. But God's call and his gifts are irrevocable. And God's call and his gifts are irrevocable in your life as well. And so whatever God has called you to, he still called you. I'm like Jonah, calling to the Lord from a hard place, a difficult place. And maybe that's where you are in your life. Maybe it's a difficult place. Maybe the stress is emotional. Maybe, maybe the stress is financial. Maybe the stress is physical. Maybe any number of things, but you're, you're in a difficult place right now. Not only is it, not only is it all over, now it's worse than ever. But I'm called, but I finally got to the point where I'm calling out to the Lord. I mean, we all understand the concept of having to hit rock bottom before you got something to push back up on. And maybe that's where you are. But you see, the Lord provided this difficult place. The Lord provided this great fish because the Lord had not forgotten about Jonah and the Lord hasn't forgotten about you. And you may be going, you mean the Lord, the Lord made this happen? No, no, you, you had a whole lot to do with making this happen. But the Lord has provided a place from which you can call out to him. I called to the Lord in my despair and he answered me. He lifted me out of the miry pit. He set my feet on a solid rock. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's what happens when you call to the Lord from a difficult place, from, from a hard place. And Jonah, the prayer that Jonah prays, it's over in, in the second chapter is a, is a beautiful and powerful prayer, and it ends up with this. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. There's still grace that can be yours. 
There's still grace that's available for you. But it only comes from one place. And that's from the Lord. I'm like Jonah. (laughs) Oops. Oh, actually, I had the verse there. Yeah. And he goes on to say, but, but I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will make good. And what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. It's time to make good on your vows. We've all made promises. And some of those were promises that we felt like we try to tell ourselves that we made up, but they're not actually. They were vision from God. I'm like Jonah. I think we got two more left. Yeah. Serving with a bad attitude. Jonah's problem was he was uh, xenophobic. And if you come to the Wednesday night class, we'll define that for you. Because <laughs> we, we do vocabulary words on Wednesday nights. But xenophobic simply means that that fear of foreigners. I mean, he, the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh was because he hated the Ninevites. These were, these were not only just foreign people, these were some mean foreign people. These weren't foreign people that he wanted to see anything good happen to. All of God's people should realize that God loves foreigners and it's a good thing because we all are. Somebody should tweet that as well. Jonah wasn't happy that the people had repented. He, He would rather see his word come to pass than see the people saved. And God gave Jonah an object lesson, like I say, with this vine. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll answer the call. I'll go do it. But our hearts are wrong. Our attitudes are wrong. If Jonah, I mean, when Jonah preached to the city and everybody repented, how do you think he could have been received in that city? What kind of relationships you think he maybe could have made? You, you think you think he might have made some friends there? Think think there might have been some people who would kind of go, man, we're so glad you came. Think he might have gotten some insight into how God saw those people? Yeah, yeah. But he didn't do that. He went and sat on the hill by himself to under the sun with a vine and a worm to to hopefully see the city destroyed which which wasn't going to happen and you know and sometimes we'll go and do it but we don't we don't enter in we don't we don't give ourselves to the call that God has placed on our lives when we do give ourselves completely to it there's such there's such joy there as well as fulfillment as well as fruitfulness there's there's joy and there's there's satisfaction we can do what God technically has called us to do. And because of our bad attitude, we still ain't having all that great a life. Do I hear a guitar back there? Come on out. Because the last thing, yeah, come on. The last thing that uh, I want to uh, say 
is not an I am like Jonah, but it's probably what some of you are thinking. Who is Jonah? What does this have to do with me? God has a plan for you. You know, we they, we look at that verse in, in Jeremiah about I before before you were in the womb, I knew you. I have a, I have a plan for you to to prosper you, prosper you and, and build you up and a plan for your good. And there are places and there are times in our lives when we just love that verse. We cling to that verse. That's so great. And then when we when it comes to work, when it comes to service, when it comes to calling, when it comes to what we're supposed to do, uh, I, I don't know if God's got anything for me. God has a plan and a purpose and a calling to, to, to put meaning into your life and fruitfulness into your life and bring joy into your life. To All around, life is springing up from this old ground. That's what God has for you. Would you stand with me? Whatever you guys are going to play. Would those who are going to minister come forward this morning? And would those who, uh, who need ministry come forward? If you came today needing prayer for something, God is here. If you, you may be in a difficult place and it's time to call out to the Lord from that difficult place. Well... This is your time. Come. We want to pray with you. You may have had dull ears for so long and refused to listen for so long that you truly don't know if you have any purpose or any vision or any calling. If you're in that position, you need to be down here. You need to be going, hey, I, could, you, could you pray that God would open my eyes again? Would you pray that he could open my ears again? Because he will. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait on you. Your love falls off.